everybody welcome back to another episode of our podcast i'm lucas i got and i got chris and jonathan here guys it's another great week in six or dumb and there's a lot to talk about apparently i need to go see creed 3 but i haven't even seen the second one so i i i'm being coerced into doing that before we got on the podcast yeah it, it's really good guys um but unfortunately, we're we're not here today to talk about Creed three, as much as that would please me. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Chris. Well, since we last talked on the podcast, the Sixers had two wins. So first up on Monday, the Sixers played the Indiana Pacers, which was an absolute shootout. One forty seven, one forty three. The Sixers won. Incredible games by Embiid, Harden, Halliburton on the Pacers. So let's jump into that one first. What do you guys think about the starters? Yeah, well, I mean, first number that stands out naturally is 42 points for Joel Embiid, and I would say the second number that stands out is 20 assists for James Harden. Um, I believe I, I saw from like ESPN that that's the second time they've done that this season, where Embiid has scored 40 while Harden has just out 20 assists. And, you know, Embiid scoring 40 is pretty commonplace at this point. Harden's leading the league in assists, so we're kind of used to it. But, I, I mean, it's useful, I, I think, for us and everyone to kind of take a step back and realize how unique that is to have two players operating on the level that Joel and James are right now. I'm not sure there's anyone in the league, really, with two players who are really operating on that level. I, I mean, the closest you could get is probably LeBron and AD or Jalen Brown and or Jason, yeah, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum in Boston, but they don't have the same dynamic, though. They're not, yeah. Just, I, yeah. I, I think James is better than the second best player in those two scenarios, ever so slightly, if maybe in the case of AD. But yeah, I, I mean, it's really awesome. We are we're very privileged to watch this every other night or so, and you know, we've talked the last couple of podcast now about how we might not get to watch this for very much longer which is an unsettling thought and kind of a downer if if you focus too much on it but it's always useful to like stay in the moment and appreciate what we have right now which is Joel and James operating at a very high level um this game again 147 143 there was not a lot of defense played in this game but the offense from Philly was quite spectacular James and Joel deserve a ton of credit for that. Tyrese has been awesome lately, hit 6-9 from 3, had 24 points. Um, you know, 20 points for Jalen McDaniels. Uh, people have been kind of wanting him to do more. I, he, he did more in this game. So, obviously, no P.J. Tucker, no Tobias Harris was, was a big storyline in this one. McDaniels and Milton got the starts in their place. And, and J-Mac showed out. So, very positive all around at least on the offensive end from the starters. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I, I think I saw somewhere that this is like one of the highest scoring games this season that McDaniels has had. Not the highest, but one of the highest. Look, I, I think you could make the real case, and I, I made it last podcast, and I'll make it again, that McDaniels should be the heir apparent to P.J. Tucker in the starting five after the season. I, I think you could make the strong argument there. P.J. is going to be 38 to 39 years old at that point, right? So I, I think you can make the strong argument that McDaniels next season, assuming that we can re-sign him in the offseason, I don't see why we can't, 
you you bring back McDaniel's and you have him take over PGA's role, and he's a he's honestly a better fit next to Tobias than PJ is. A little bit more versatile, you know. Tobias can guard fours, which is more of his natural position. This was just a great game from McDaniel's all around. Chris, you already said it. James and Joel, I think, have the best pick and roll like points per uh, per possession per play out of in, in the last like twenty years in the NBA. The only other two teams that had similar stats were both James Harden teams in like two thousand twenty one and like two thousand nineteen. I think. I think I saw that on ESPN. I'm not hundred percent sure, but it's very high. Regardless, kudos to James Harden. And James Harden's doing this as like the third scorer on this team, pretty much now with Maxi back in the starting five. Um, Melton got the start. He was probably like the lone eyesore of the starting five, but he still had nine points and a steal on a block. So I can't really complain. And I never watched Malone and Stock uh, Malone and Stockton, but they were argued the best pick and roll combo in NBA history. I think if this partnership with Joel and Harden stays together, you could argue that this will be the best one in the long term. I mean, they, they, they won't have the longevity of Malone and Stockton, but it will have the same. I think the, the lethality of this could be just as much, if not more. Um, but yeah, that's what I think. Great, great win though. Of course, this was a shootout. Melton and McDaniels, obviously, in the starting lineup, as you said, with Tucker and Tobias out. So the bench was a little short, but why don't you guys touch on that a little bit? What did you think, Chris? Yeah, um, I mean, notably, 30 minutes for Shake Milton in this game. He's been kind of moving out towards the periphery of the rotation a lot lately. So obviously, shorthanded, he, he got more of an opportunity, and he delivered 15 points. Had one of his best games in a while. We've seen Shake step up on multiple occasions this year when he's asked to. I'm probably not going to see a ton of them moving forward when the team is fully healthy, which is pretty understandable given how other guys have played and how the rotation is kind of set up. Harden and Maxey just eat up a lot of airspace in the backcourt, Melton too. So it, it's unfortunate, but we've talked about him many times on this pod this season especially he's due for a bigger contract in in the summer he's clearly a very talented player and he, he was quite good in this game uh daniel house also quite good 10 points four or five from the field hit two threes had four assists in 18 minutes that's the kind of game that's going to earn him a spot in the rotation full-time here down the stretch which seems like again the direction we're going maybe house replacing shake to some degree and yeah i mean again if we're going to talk about the playoffs which we did last week house makes a lot more sense than niang in a lot of matchups because he can Mm -hmm. hang defensively so yeah that's uh, what i was going to ask you yeah yeah i I think milton and house are the obvious standouts here paul reed was eight points hit all his shots had three blocks in 11 minutes like you know i'll take that but uh i i I think the big storyline here is, is shake and house yeah, I I tend to agree. I think House will eventually overtake Niang in a playoff series. I don't think it happens in the first round. I think it's a later round adjustment that Doc makes. Um, Reed had three blocks, but let me tell you, I saw at least one of them that was vicious. He slammed not only the ball, but the player that was shooting it to the ground. I don't know if you guys remember that. I think it was in the third or fourth quarter, but... Paul Reed was was a monster in that game, and I loved it. He had the best plus-minus off the bench with eight. 
like you said, Milton has been fantastic this year when called upon. He can step up in a moment, whether it be big minutes or small minutes. He's always been a positive. Certainly somebody that you want to rely on in the playoffs when you need to. I'm very happy that we have we did not see have a Harrell or Deadman sighting in this game. But yeah, I think the bench played fantastic. I have nothing to say negatively about the bench. Yeah, well, before we close out on this game, let's talk about, obviously we said Harden, 14 points, 20 assists, 9 rebounds. It's an incredible stat line. But if you go to the other team, Indiana Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton, first-year All-Star this year, had 40 points, 16 assists, and 3 rebounds. He's definitely up and coming, was shooting 12 of 19, 5 of 10 from 3. Incredible. Um, I know both of you like him a lot. So long-term or short-term, take it whichever way you want. Who would you rather have on your team, Harden or Halliburton? Yeah, I I mean, look, it's we've kind of talked about this before because obviously there was a lot of smoke about Philly maybe trading Ben to Sacramento once upon a time and Halliburton maybe being the centerpiece of that trade. A lot of noise about it, you know, Halliburton being off the table, but then they turn around and trade him for Sabonis. So. I, I think it's pretty fair to say that if both teams were serious about those discussions, that Halliburton could have been in the mix. Uh, Long term, you know, Halliburton's in his early 20s. James is in his early 30s. So I, I think long term, there's really an unavoidable edge for Halliburton. I, I think short term, James still has the edge right now. But I, I don't think it's a huge edge. And again, you look at the noise about this upcoming offseason, the possibility that James might just leave after a year and a half while young Halliburton is still getting better and on a long-term contract, it really makes you wonder if maybe the Sixers should have done the Kings deal if it was really out there. Uh, But, you know, that's in the past. Can't change the past. And Pace has got a good one. He's really special. He's going to be a a multi-time all-star. By, by the time his career ends. And Indiana is like on the fast track to contention because of him. So he, he deserves a ton of credit. I, I think James has the slight edge right now, but it would not, I wouldn't blame any Sixer fans for being kind of bummed out that Halliburton isn't a Sixer right now. Well, look, let me just say, first off, I am absolutely fi- have, fine having James Harden on this team. James Harden has been fantastic. He's been Pretty much everything we hoped for this season. Last season, he was clearly injured. That didn't work out well. But this season, he's been everything we've asked for so far. And I can't complain. That being said, if you told me that I could have Tyrese Halliburton or James Harden for this year and moving forward based off of how Halliburton has played this year, because this was his breakout year, I think everybody can Like, you tell me that he has a breakout year where he's second in the league in assists and is a 20-point-per-game score, and is in, in his early 20s, Chris, I, I think, you, you know what, you might give James Harden the edge because of you know his resume and everything, and that's, that's fine if you do. But if I'm going based off of this season, I'd rather have Halliburton, and here's why. In the long term, of course, I agree with you. I think I'd rather have Halliburton, but this season I think I'd rather have Hall, a Halliburton too. And here's why. Halliburton's a better defender, just as good as a playmaker. So you can play him next to Maxi, and there, the defensive liabilities would be minimalized even more 
And offensively, you, you're really – they're about the same player now, I, I would surmise. The only thing that you lose an edge in is rebounding, really. Maybe, like, maybe basketball IQ mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, like, maybe James has a better basketball IQ, but that just comes with age. But at the same time, Halliburton is still averaging 10 assists on a horrendous team. Imagine what he could do with, you know, Joel Embiid. So I, you said I he's think, second in the league in assists. Who's number one? James Harden by an edge. Yes, yes. I, and like I said, I have no problem with having James. James has been fantastic. I have nothing negative to say about James. But if you're asking me, like, who gives us the best chance to win a title, James has had a history of choking in the playoffs. Halliburton, granted, has never been there, but yet again, hasn't yeah. choked either. So I, I think I'd rather go with Halliburton based off of defense. And the fact that he's younger and doesn't have a bad resume when it comes to postseason. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think James's postseason history is uh, the idea. I I think that's all very overblown. Like James has had some amazing playoff moments. Houston has been on many deep playoff runs with James Harden on the team. But yeah, I I mean, I I think the edge that James gives you, especially if we're talking about that that pick and roll and just the chemistry with Joel James, I think is still a slightly more dynamic scorer and he's going to put more pressure on the rim and draw on the defense a bit more in those drives than Tyrese does. I, I think they're different offensive players. Tyrese is more used to playing off the ball, though James has made a lot of strides in that capacity this year. We've seen a lot of like spot up threes from James of late more and more as the season has gone on which I'm surprised people aren't talking more about that. Like, he's really changed to to adjust to Joel, and he, he deserves a ton of credit for that. Um, so I, I think they're different. I, I don't think Halliburton is the same kind of playmaker as James. James, not I don't mean this as, like, a criticism, but James dribbles a lot more. He's much more of a ball-dominant, quote-unquote, kind of playmaker and star than Halliburton is but well wouldn't that be better with Jane with Joel's and Maxie's play style having somebody that can play off the ball more I, I don't know Maxie's at his best off the ball and Joel and James are like again like you said one of the most efficient offensive duos we've ever seen so mm-hmm. it's hard to like look at the evidence and say it's not working again I, I think James is the slightly better player right now Halliburton's numbers are off the chart, and he's heading up, while James is probably just inevitably heading down at this point. But, yeah, I, long term, obviously, if you could go back and say, do I want James or Tyrese? Right now, you just have to say Tyrese, just being responsible, because I, I don't think the edge is big enough with James to mitigate the risk of, you know, eight years of Halliburton versus maybe one and a half years of James. Uh, but... You know, if the Sixers won a title, then none of that matters. So, of course, of course, exactly. exactly. I, I, I do think James is right now the better and player. This is just like you, Lucas. This, I'm, yeah. I'm not complaining. Like I, I love James. Yeah. I think he's an awesome player, and he he gives the Sixers, I think, a better chance of winning it this year. So, it, it's hard to complain too much. Yeah, and I'm like I said, I'm not complaining. It's just my personal pre. I think I think it's a personal preference thing. I think defensively. I mean, you know how special he is defensively. I'm just and James clearly isn't, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, yeah, he's special. Like, like he's a good defender. He's not all defense or anything, though. Oh I, I well, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, they're both just they're both incredible talents having good years. So, 
All right, let's transition to the next game on Tuesday night. Sixers beat the Minnesota Timberwolves 117-94. Yeah, this game wasn't really in question pretty much. I mean, the first quarter was kind of close, but after that it was it was pretty much a romp. So, Lucas, let's start with you this time. What were your thoughts on the starters in this game? They just decided that they weren't going to be stopped. Joel had 39. Clearly, Joel likes to get up for matchups against marquee centers. And Gobert is certainly marquee in name, so I think Joel took it personally there. Um, Harris and Tucker were back. Uh, didn't really, honestly, I mean, Tobias influenced the game defensively with 14 rebounds, four steals. But um, overall, him and Tucker combined two of nine from the field and 10 points total, Tobias having all the points. Um you know, it was a good defensive game by Milton as well as you can defend, you know, Anthony Edwards. Maxie went off for 27, had five assists. I it, I think, you know, the dynamic duo of Maxie and Joel definitely dominated offensively for the Sixers. And Tobias stepped up defensively, which is huge. Yeah, um, a, a pretty good return to action for, for Tobias on the defensive front. Obviously, P.J. was back in this game as well. No, James. I, you know, James has definitely earned a rest day. So, no absolutely. There. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 39 points in 28 minutes for Joel, 13 of 22 from the field. Again, he's like kind of doing this stuff routinely now, but that's a pretty insane, uh, you know, output from him. He barely played in the fourth quarter because the second unit was really good in this game, which we'll talk about more, which is just not common. So, Joel continues to look like like one of the two or three best players on the face of the planet. Um, Tyrese is just back now, which is awesome. The Sixers really needed that ahead of the playoffs, and he is throwing together some really amazing, like vintage Tyrese games. So that's really nice to see. And yeah, I, I mean, look, at 39. I've seen Ben Simmons drop more than that on Gobert, but I, I'll take it. Oh wow! <laughs> wow! Wow, is that re- uh, you know what that good helps one, my argument one, later. That that helps my argument later. So that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, Chris, I like that you said that like he's doing this so much that it's become a routine. Like I know you and I talked about that on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. It's just I hate the fact that they like that it is becoming a routine. Like it needs to be acknowledged every single time it happens because it is incredible that he is putting up these kind of numbers. It is seriously the last time was Shaq. So it really needs to get the recognition um that it deserves. All right, so you guys touched on it. The bench played pretty well this game. What do you guys think about that, Lucas? Yeah, I mean, look, Yang had eight. I mean, nobody scored in double digits, but you got to see a lot of guys just contribute in different ways. We saw more house minutes. Yang played good. McDaniels played good against his brother. Uh, Reed didn't shoot the ball well, but overall had a solid game. Milton was solid in 22 minutes, had five assists. And we had a Corkmaz sighting of all things, guys. I feel we like we we don't even see him anymore, especially after that trade we request. But six points in five minutes, perfect shooting. Still had two turnovers though. Um, but yeah, no, I think it was a solid bench performance. You know, nobody really sh- stood out, but nobody really needed to stand out in this game. So I'm not complaining. Yeah. Um. I. I mean. I. Yeah. I agree. Nothing spectacular, but. Nothing too terrible either. Again, like that second unit group basically put away the game early in the fourth quarter, which is not something 
we've been able to say about the Sixers very often in the past. So that's a pretty positive sign in my book. And this was a very commanding win against a good team without James Harden. And that is, again, just very positive. The Sixers were 4-1 and one on this road trip that everyone billed as like a very tough, a lot of games in a short span of time on the road out west. Like this was a really tough stretch, and the Sixers handled themselves quite well. They're still well positioned in the East, and they they deserve a ton of credit. And again, Joel specifically just deserves a, a metric ton of credit. Yeah, absolutely. So I know Lucas was looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, um, yeah. Ru- Rudy Gobert, six points. Nine rebounds, two assists, and 25 minutes. Didn't play great. Obviously, Joel dominated him. Chris said Joel gets up for these kind of games, which we know is true. Lucas, is Rudy Gobert past his prime? Is he kind of on the downswing? What are your thoughts? I mean, let's not look at the offensive numbers because those are always going to be deceiving with Gobert because offensively, his points per game are slightly down, but nothing to really concern about. I'm looking at the blocks because Chris, as heralded Gobert, is one of the best defensive players of this generation. He is great. I'm not going to deny. I don't think he's one of the best of all time, though. That being said, this season he's averaging 1.4 blocks. That's the second lowest of his career. All other years besides his rookie year, he was averaging at least two blocks per game. And he's still getting the same amount of minutes Steals are about the same, but fouls are also kind of high. Not the highest of his career, but they, they're the highest since 2020. So is it possible that he's taking a step back? Yeah, I think so. Learning a new system, you know, playing with, you know, not so great wing defenders. I mean, he still has McDaniels. He still has Anderson, but he did play part of the season with Cat and, you know, Edwards is not a good defender. D'Lo was not a good defender. Now they have Michael Conley, who's, you know, okay at this point of his career. He was pretty good in his prime, but Conley's not in his prime. So is he taking it? I think he has taken a step back. He's still a pretty good defender, but he's definitely not where he once was. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's definitely uh, past his prime. Wow. That's all you got to say? Yeah, well, look, I think... Quick take, quick take. Objectively. Say the three-time defensive player of the year and six-time all-defensive team, former block and rebound champ, isn't one of the best defenders of all time. It's a little insane. Like, just the resume, the stats, everything's there. Like, he's very clearly at his peak was mm. one of the best defenders we've ever seen. It, like, mm. just, he just was. It doesn't mean he wasn't, like, you know, he was perfect. Clearly, there were flaws in his game uh, offensively and everywhere. But, like, just objectively, the... Resume is pretty much unimpeachable. I, 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 I can think of a few defensive guys that would take ahead of him. Sure. It, I'm not saying he's the greatest ever, but like. I, I, would, I, would, I, I would not have. Oh, in the past 25 years? Okay. Not I can give you. Ben Wallace? Ben yeah. Wallace, Dwight, Prime Dwight. Like ben Wallace, maybe Draymond, but those. Prime Dwight. Definitely you Prime forget. Dwight. Yeah, definitely Prime Dwight. I mean, yeah, I, I give him top five in the past 25 years. Sure, I, I can yeah. do that. I'll, I'll do that. Sure. That, then, I mean, I rest my case. That, that's a pretty good player. But, yeah. but of all time, no. no Look, no, he's 31. No. He's a seven-footer who 
plays primarily drop like those guys just have a shelf life in general. So yeah, I mean he's he's reaching the end of his prime year. He's still very good. I I think he's like pretty severely he, underrated at this point. Yeah, uh, he's still above he's still an above average defensive player. Like he's still a pretty good defensive player. He's just he's not a top ten center anymore and he's not a certainly not a you know yeah, like, I don't think I don't think he's a top five defensive center anymore either. Like I, I think that's ridiculous. Like I, I just that's too far. No, what are you not okay, a, that's, a hot, that's a hot take. That's not a, a top okay, five top, defensive top. center right now. That's okay, let's ridiculous. think about it. Let's let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about it. Okay, Let, let's go through the top five defensive centers right now. Okay, you got Joel Embiid, right? We can throw him up there. Yeah, no pretty, particular order. No particular order. Let's just throw out some names. Okay. Is Joel Embiid better than Gobert? Sure. Okay. Um, yes. I mean, it, this, se- of, this season, this season, this season, we're this not season, talking no, about. No, because this has not been okay. a very, like, okay, this has okay. not been we're Embiid's just... best season on defense. Like, Embiid has taken a lot of games off, which he has to do. We've talked about this, but. But, but like, okay, when Joel, when Joel's focused in, like, Gobert's job is defense, right? Joel's yes. job's not defense. When Joel's locked in, I think we can say that Joel's better. Okay? So, let's say Joel, sure, okay? But if he's only Brooke locked Lopez. in five games out of the year... Brooke, then... Brooke, Brooke, Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez, yes or no? Would I say Brooke Lopez is, is a better defender than Gobert right now? No. Yes. No? No. no. I'm so... We're talking about, you know, Brooke Lopez potentially being defensive player of the year. We're going to say No. Okay, it's what cl- about... It's close, it's close. Uh, okay, well, okay, look, fine, of, fine, fine. Part fine. of the calculus is that Gobert has missed more games than Brooke. Like, the Bucks are a better team, they're a better defense, and a lot of that's on Brooke, but, like... Okay, yeah, Brooke, again, Brooke, I think Brooke. we're just way underrating Gobert at this point. Okay, 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 let's, let's, let's keep on going. Okay. Steven Adams? No, come on. No, no. Okay, Lucas. okay, okay. Robert Williams? No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I can't use Jaron Jackson Jr. because he's not technically a center. But I wish I could. Try and think of who Bam. else. Anthony Davis. Bam. 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 Yeah, Bam. Bam's better. Anthony Davis. Sure. I'll I'll take Bam. Davis, like, there's a conversation to be had. But again, if we're like basing it off of consistency in this season alone, I still think Gobert probably takes the crown. Like and even like Rob Williams is only playing 24 minutes a game. He's been hurt a lot this year. It's like. Yeah, but we're also going to give, we're probably going to end up giving defensive player to, of, of the player of the year to a guy that plays 28 minutes a game. So I can't really take the minutes per game thing into consideration here, at least from my perspective. Sure. Well, I mean, it, it just depends on how you want to argue it, Nick. Because you were just saying that it was based on this season. Specific. Yeah, this okay. Fair. Uh, you know what? It, we'll, we'll take Rob Williams out just because he hasn't been playing enough. That's that's fair. I'll give you that. Okay. I I just feel like for I me, I can make. I think the answer, like the obvious, like like it's fair. Rudy's like, top five. Yeah, Rudy is still top five though. I think uh, that's the yeah. I you think can I argue know. for I, Rob I, Williams. You can argue for Bam. You can argue for Embiid. But like at worst, Rudy's like four or five. No, it's going to be fun is like next year or so when it's Walker Kessler versus Gobert is the argument. That's when I'm going to be in like flying high. That's going to be really fun for me. So how bad, if you're Minnesota, how bad do you feel that you gave up all that draft equity plus Walker Kessler 
Okay, let's yeah. just add, let me ask you guys this right now. If you tr- if you go back in time, and you're in Minnesota, and Utah says, "Hey, we'll trade you straight up Rudy Gobert for Walker Kessler." That's it. Do you make that trade knowing what you know now about Walker Kessler? Do you make that trade? Uh, um, you know, you definitely consider it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think Minnesota feels. I think bad you about still would. Yeah. I they should feel I, bad about the trade. Absolutely. Yeah, that was it's, they got fleeced I, by Danny Ainge. It is a I, classic, like new GM trying to make his impact, like put his hand. But the thing on the is, team. it's not it, like it's not a new GM move, though. It's a new owner move because no, the GM. But, 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 but yeah, yeah. Tim Conley was the new GM, but he built the team in Utah and uh, Denver. Like he's not a rookie GM. He knew what he was doing. That's that not was what I'm new, saying. I'm, I'm, yeah. not, I'm saying it's new GM, as in like he has full control there now. They just hired him. He wants to make his like impact felt he wants to make it his team and, and that's, see i i don't do. I, I don't think that happened i think that was a rod coming in starting to get control of the team and a rod saying hey i want to have this happen you think that's A-Rod what is I, like a rudy Gobert doesn't he have fan? like doesn't a rod have like minority ownership yeah. right now but they're transitioning to full ownership with it's him and the like other guy was some big flashy superstar who's gonna draw in a lot of viewers that's not really Gobert's game he's like you know, hey, it's not I, like Gobert is Dame Lillard or anything. Hey, I, you know what? The trade was kind of questionable. I think me and you talked ourselves into it at the time. But now looking back, I think we all agree this is not a good yeah. move. Look, uh, I, I mean, it's a classic like hindsight thing. At the time, Rudy, I, I think, was still at last season. I would have said Rudy's a top 25-ish player still and one of the best. You did. You said he was a top 15 player last season. Yeah, and I felt good about it because he was. And clearly, again, he, he's taken a step back and he's he's on the downswing, which is just going to happen with guys when they reach their 30s, especially seven-footers. So, you know, in hindsight, maybe not the best trade, but... I, I if, if I'm, like... If I'm looking at the upside of Walker Kessler, I would not have traded Walker Kessler for Rudy Gobert. Yeah, it, it, I, it happens sometimes. Like the 20th pick is is an awesome all world defender. It, I mean, Gobert was 28th, just like uh, Kessler was what 24th. Yeah, Jokic was in the 40s, so you can yeah. get good players late. It happens. It, it's a tough Bo break Bo. for Minnesota. Bo Bo was 44. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well. Um, <laughs> okay. There's a bit of a gap there, but yes. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A lot of Timberwolves talk, so we'll right. transition to my favorite topic tonight by far. I love this. The Celtics are on a three-game losing streak. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. But their three-game losing streak is not just any three-game losing streak. They blew... A 28-point lead at home to the Brooklyn Nets, which was wild on Friday night. Then they had a 14-point blown lead in double overtime to the Knicks on Sunday. And most recently, a 15-point blown lead on Monday night in Cleveland when Robin Rob, or, uh, Grant Williams had two free throws, only needed to make one to win, sent the game into overtime and lost. They 
have blown three 14-plus point leads in the span of less than a week, and they are falling. The Sixers are now one and a half games back after a three-game winning streak that they're on. And again, we know the Sixers have the hardest um, remaining schedule. Daryl Morey said it's twice as hard as everyone else based on BPI, but what are your guys' thoughts? Chris, I'm going to start with you first. Just do you think the Celtics are going to continue this slide? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to say. Like you said, schedule-wise, they, they have a much easier path than Philly so far. They're 1.5 games up in the standings. Every team, even the best ones, kind of go through this every year where there are just really high highs. And eventually, you know, you're going to have a skid of some sort. The Sixers have had their skids this year and every year. I don't think it's super indicative of Boston as a team. I don't think we should be, like, writing them off as contenders or anything or, like, celebrating this potential 2-3 matchup as some great outcome because they've lost three in a row. But if team has their flaws, the Celtics have been pretty apparent of late. And, again, they're only 1.5 games up on, on Philly in the standings now. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. And... I mean, like like the top of the East is where a lot of the conversation is going to be uh, ahead of the playoffs because the West is pretty much set. Not Maybe the seeding, like two through eight, is very much not set, but the contenders there are pretty – we know who's going to win. And it's not as exciting, I would say, as the top three in the East right now. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see for sure. So, as much as I would love it to continue, I don't think it will, because I'm looking at their next couple games. They're currently playing the Blazers, who they're up on in the second quarter. Yeah, the the, the next couple games is Atlanta, Houston, Minnesota, Portland, Utah, and Sacramento. Their next real chance to... Granted, all those games are on the road. It's not like they're going to be home games. Uh, Portland's a home game, but the rest of these are on the road. So do they have a chance to lose maybe one or two of these? Sure, but I don't think they're going to lose a lot. They're not going to go on like a four or five game losing streak. Um, so, no, I, I, as much as I look now, I will say this. I think as much as I love Joe Missoula because he's a West Virginia guy and I'm actually having West Virginia playing Texas Tech on my TV right now as we're recording, I, I don't think he's still learning as a first year head coach, you know, it's not like he's coming into like a rebuilding situation. He's going into a championship or bust situation with the Celtics. They have the deepest team and a lot of personality. And for the most part, I think he's done well, but there are some things that he's, he struggled with. And I don't know if you guys watch a lot of ESPN, but uh, Kendrick Perkins is uh, very much worried for the Celtics long-term, which is good for us. But in terms of them slipping, I don't think they're going to continue to skid, but they, they could lose a couple more games the next, uh, you know, six games or so. Well, that's the Celtics side of it. So let's go to the Sixers side real quick. Do you think the Sixers like can catch them? I know we have that. They have a tough schedule. Can they keep this win streak going? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, look, just again, since James Harden returned, Philly has the number one offense in the NBA. Like this team, offensively, is as good as anything in the NBA right now. So yeah, they can continue it again. Joel in peak form. James, not in peak form, but in very high-level All-NBA form right now. When you have two guys playing at that level, when you have a competent supporting cast, dare I say, it, it's not that unheard of to go on a run. And Philly has been kind of on an extended run here since before the All-Star break. So, yeah, I, I think it's possible. It's 1.5 games. That's not a big gap at all. They're only four games behind Milwaukee. Like, even that's not 
completely out of the question. I would say that's far more unlikely. But, yeah, they, they could very well catch Boston. They are trending in the right direction, and Boston has hit a wall here of late. So, yeah, it's definitely possible. I think it is not only possible. I think looking at the schedule, there is a good chance that they could win seven more games before they have a real chance of losing one. Let's look at the schedule moving forward. They have a home game against Portland, then a home game against the Wizards. The next Now, this next game is going to be tough, but I think they win this. At Cleveland, then at Charlotte, then at Indiana, then a game home against Chicago, and a game away against Chicago before they get to the Golden State Warriors. You skipped over the Pacers game. Oh, yeah. They, I, they no, I, said, I, I, said, I said Blazers at the beginning. I thought I did. It's, but, yeah, the Blazers. No, the Pacers. Is, after Charlotte, they fly and play Indiana the next night. Oh, you're right. They're, you're right. They're not going to win that game. I'm just saying. I, Second night I, on the road. They, could, they, they might not, but I, I think there's a chance. But let's just, I'm just saying this wing streak could extend to seven games. Well, I mean, to 10 games because they're already on a three game win streak. Looking at the opponents, they're not that tough. Granted, Chris, you're right. There is a back to back in there that I missed, and I'm sorry that I missed that one. But, like, outside of that one back-to-back, they, they get at least a day rest in between of each one of these games. Now, after that second Chicago game, you have Golden State and then Phoenix on a back-to-back, which is not great. But, like, and then Denver a day after that Phoenix game. But, like, before then, they got a real chance to win seven more games in a row. I, I don't think it's impossible for them to win a, on a back-to-back. We are a deep team, and, in, like, Indiana's kind of tanking now. So, like, I think it's possible. Yeah. yeah, and I like Chris said, like I don't rule out the possibility of catching the Bucks. I know the Bucks were rolling sixteen game win streak, but then we shut it down. And now they've won two in a row after that. But I, I think even though we have a tough schedule, worst case, we're just really prepped for the playoffs. So I think down the stretch the Sixers are in a good spot. Mm-hmm. Um take gonna take us to our last topic, talking about the first round matchup. This will be a two part question, but we'll just start with the first one. They currently sit in the three seed, just for reference, so they'd be playing the Brooklyn Nets in the first round if everything stayed as is. If they move up to the two seed, obviously could play some the winner of certain playing games. But first off, just Lucas, who do you want to see them face in the first round? I think the easiest matchup here is Brooklyn. I mean, yeah, they they we beat them on a you know last minute play, like it, it came down to the last minute, but like. Brooklyn, without, like, I mean, I love Mikael Bridges, but, like, he's not going to be a number one player and on a playoff team to win a first-round series. I think, you know, Brooklyn, and plus it would be fun if Ben actually does decide to come out of whatever, wherever he is at right now and come and play in the playoffs. That would be fun to see, you know, hack a Ben for sure. Um, but yeah, I think Brooklyn's the easiest matchup out of any of the teams in that scenario outside of maybe like Washington, but like, I don't think Washington's going to make it to the six seed. And I think the Nets, I mean, I don't think, well, we'll get to that, but yeah, I think the Nets are probably the best matchup for the Sixers. Yeah, I agree. Um, Miami's obviously the closest to Brooklyn. I have no real faith in this Miami team. I, they're in a real rough spot right now. They've been heading in the wrong direction. The vibes, so to speak, are not great. I, I do not want to see Jimmy Butler in the first round. I'm sorry. No, you I, don't. I love, I love Mikhail Bridges dearly. I, I think he's awesome. He's been playing amazing. The Nets have won three straight. On paper, that's still a pretty interesting team with a lot of good defenders. You, 
you should be really hoping and praying that Brooklyn stays in that sixth spot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, even Atlanta, it's like they are not good enough to beat the Sixers, but we said that last time, so I I don't yeah. I don't want to do it. So I I I would be hoping that it's Brooklyn, and you know Philly should be able to handle that matchup fairly easily. Knock on wood. We said that many times in the past, and it's never as easy as it should be, but. Yeah, I, I think Brooklyn is the ideal matchup. I, I think they handle Miami or Atlanta or Toronto. But all three of those teams have, like, dirt on the Sixers, and I'd prefer to avoid it. Yeah, well, those are the teams you'd obviously want to see us face. Who are they most likely to face, do you think? Obviously, Brooklyn's in the sixth seed. Knicks are only one game ahead. We could move up. So how do you think that this will play out at the start of the playoffs? I, I think we're probably going to end up seeing Miami. I think the Knicks are going to hold on to the five seed. There's a chance that they could get the four seed. I don't think Brooklyn holds off Miami. They're only two and a half games ahead of Miami. And as much as like Miami's been struggling, I think they'll make a late push because Jimmy Butler does not probably want to be in the play-in. So I, 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 like, I don't want to see Miami in the first round because nobody wants to see playoff Jimmy Butler because, well, we know firsthand what that looks like on both ends. So I, I think you'd rather not see Miami, but I think Miami's probably your your best bet there. Yeah, I I I think it's very possible that Miami overtakes Brooklyn. I mean, they're two point five games behind, which isn't a huge gap, but I, I think there's a reasonable chance that Brooklyn hold, like holds on. They they have a lot of depth again. They're trying to win games. It's not like they're tanking yet. So I I wouldn't rule out Brooklyn, but I I think saying Miami is fair. And if Philly moves into the two seed, then they're lined up with Miami as the seven seed. So I would put a fair amount of money on it being one of Brooklyn or Miami. I think the Knicks are moving up and are more of a threat to Cleveland than Brooklyn is to New York. Yeah, I I think we're either going to see the Nets or the Heat. And sorry to burst your bubble, Lucas, but they're not putting Ben Simmons out there in the playoffs. So hack it. No, they're probably – look, I – I have an inkling that Ben Simmons might be shut down for the season. And on, uh, I like, I don't know if we'll see him again this year, to be honest. The consistent knee issues plus the lack of performance. I mean, why bring him back out if he's not 100%? I, I think you play just fine without him. Um, but if Hack of Ben were to happen, it would certainly make me happy. But yeah, no, I do want to talk about the Knicks here. Guys, there's a real chance that the Knicks could get the home court advantage against the Cavaliers. And if the Knicks beat Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs, like, first off, that just kind of validates how the Knicks approached it. But I, I think there's a real chance here that the Knicks make it to the second round. I mean, the Cavs, yes, have the star power, but I think overall team structure, I kind of like more of what the what the Knicks have. And I think, that, like, I love J.B. Biggerstaff, but I think Tom Thibodeau has definitely coached his butt off this year, and I got to give him credit for that. Yeah, well, Lucas, I mean, you were talking about ESPN earlier. Obviously, Stephen A., when he talks about this, I think it's hilarious because he oh, wanted yeah. the Knicks oh, yeah. to be oh, in yeah. the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes. I mean, which they were, but they just didn't get the deal done. So having Donovan Mitchell come into uh, New York where New York fans were begging and hoping he came, if he sent them out of the playoffs, it would just be some poetic justice. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think so. Well, I think that might be the best first-round series in all the playoffs unless something happens really. Like, unless Phoenix and Dallas play each other in the first round or in the West. L.A.? L.A. and anyone. 
Yeah, L.A. and any well, let's say L.A. gets the eighth seed, and then you have Denver. Like you know, if LeBron's back, which that's a big if. I feel like at this if, point, if LeBron is back, they are losing. No, LeBron games. is coming back if they're in like a a position of having a good spot and like the playoffs or the play in. I that's well, what the reevaluation is. Like they're, they're, I know they're, they're going to wait and they're going to wait and see. I think they said like two weeks they'll reevaluate. What they're reevaluating is where they are in the playoffs and what they think their chances are. That's what I think is happening. Yeah, because I think if this injury happened during the middle of the season or at the beginning of the season, he's probably not coming back for like at least a month or if not two. Um, they're in the ninth seed right now. So the play-in is totally an option. They could. Uh, they're they're thirty-two and thirty-four. Uh, the Clippers are thirty-four and thirty-three. Uh, the Lakers have an easy schedule. AD's back. D'Lo's back. I mean, AD played like a monster uh, last night. So and thirty-four. Think, what thirty-four and twenty-two, and he's averaging like thirty-three and fourteen since LeBron's been out. Something crazy. Yeah, I think okay. it's, it's 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 possible. I know this is a Sixers pod, but while we're on it. Yeah, no, Lakers I mean the West. Good. They're not beating. They, they're not. They're not that good. But could they put win a play-in game against like the Clippers or the Minnesota Timberwolves? Absolutely. Sure. Chris, are you hating I... because Anthony Davis is going to help me get the three seed in the uh, fantasy playoffs? I'm not worried about all that. But the real <laughs> the real storyline here is how it's really going to be OKC. They're going to win. Oh. They're going to no. Be it's not. <laughs> not. I'm telling no, you right now, not. OKC is going to be the seven seed. They're going to take Sacramento to like six or seven games, and I'm going to be living my best life. I'm calling it now. It's I'm just telling okay. you. Okay, are we are we doing a bet about this, Chris? Do you want to do a bet? Yeah, because they're out. They're in the 11 spot. I want to bet this. They are tied. Okay, well, what's the bet? What's they, what's what's the? They are tied in the standings with New Orleans. It doesn't matter. Yes. They're outside of the. They're outside. Okay, of the at the moment, they will not be outside for that long because the Pelicans are. Falling off a cliff right now. Shea is. They back. are dominating. They, top, they are dominating Dallas right now. They have a top fifteen player. I do not care. The Thunder are going to be twelve points. Is not dominating Jonathan. They're up sixteen at half. Oh my! My thing must have not refreshed then. I'm still at two minutes. My bad. All right, Chris, so any, what anyway, is a bet? let's make a let's make a bet. Let's on make this, let's Thunder make a bet. Have won three in a row. They have the best point differential of any team. Other than the top four seeds, the, in the Thunder West. will not make it out of the play. I'm guys. I'm just telling you right now. The fifth best okay. point differential of any team in the West. So, that's fine. So that's fine. What's, okay, what's I'm the play? I'm asking what's what you want to bet. So are you, Nothing. Chris? Are you betting? Are you, come on. We did a bet last year. Well, I okay. don't have anything to give up. What am I going to give up? Five dollars. You, you you are working now, sir. You can afford something. Give me give me five dollars if the Thunder don't make it out of the playoffs. Playing five dollars? Are we? Is that even legal? I don't think we can. <laughs> I, I, that. I don't want how to about this? That How about guys. this? How about this? I will buy. Hey guys, guys, guys! I will buy the loser a Ben Simmons shirt. I already own a Ben Simmons shirt. So do I. I'm already. Uh, I'm ahead of you. Uh, what about? Hang on, let me think about this for a second. Al Horford? No, you have a Al, Al oh, Horford jersey. Oh boy, do I have! I have multiple Al Horford. I have a Markel <laughs> Fultz shirt. We can keep going. Um, Zaire Smith. I love Zaire Chris, Smith. Who do you hate the most? In the, who do you hate the most in the NBA right now? Who do I? I don't hate anyone. 
What if I got you an Andre? What if what if I got what if I got you a Ben DeAndre? Jonathan might actually like a DeAndre Drummond shirt. You know what? We'll figure this out and let you guys know next podcast. Yeah, the, we'll take we'll this offline where it may be more legal. Mm, yeah. Well. well, well mm, yeah. I. I mean. Uh, we yeah. can decide it later. We can decide this at a later time. But I think at this point we we're getting off Sixers topic too much, and we need to go back to it. So, and I I've just thought of the perfect thing to get Chris. No, I. I but, mean, I think it's totally reasonable to talk about potential. Teams that Philly might face in the finals, and um, <laughs> what? I'm, what? I'm kidding, obviously. What? Really. Oh my god! Am I? Who knows? Okay, but we all agree <laughs> that we want to see the Sixers versus the Nuggets in the finals, right? I want to see yeah. the Sixers versus the Vendor. I mean, no, I, I Sixers, no, the uh, Sixers Nuggets. Chris, we talked about <laughs> Chris, this at the beginning of the season. You agreed with me. Yes, back I want to that. see That's... Sixers Nuggets, of course. Okay, what then, is okay. going on with you and the Thunder? Like, I no, guarantee no, 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 no. they will be bounced. You They're know, going to be you know, bounced early, and I cannot right. wait for the podcast. But, but uh, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan, you have to understand. Chris has a secret love affair with all their tall, lanky dudes. Yeah. Poku. Uh, yeah, Poku. Time boy. out. Time out. Quick aside. Let's just take stock of the Oklahoma City Thunder right now. They okay. have a borderline top 10 player in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Okay, fair they enough. One of the more promising young playmakers in the league in Josh Giddy. They okay. get Chet Holmgren back next year. He's going to kick butt. Jalen Williams looks like he should have been a top five pick. They Agreed. have like 12 picks they can trade. They can make multiple like high impact superstar level trades. They have the pieces to do that. They are like in a perfect okay. position to be and very 20 good teams. for the next but they have, 10, But will years. they do it? That, that's the question. Will they make those trades that you're talking about? Yes, they have the pieces, Even but will they make Even if they them? do not make those trades, the Current core is going to be like a consistent playoff team for the foreseeable future. Okay, you so, can say hey, that they, hey, are, that's, they that's can that's say fine. that they're good, but twenty teams, which is insane, twenty teams technically make the playoffs, and currently they are not in play for that. Fine, but next year and on, they will be in the playoffs for the foreseeable future. I'm just and saying. you know, you know, the thing is, Chris, you should actually be rooting for them not to get in the playoffs because then they'll be in the Wimba and Yana sweet stakes. That's wouldn't so you love? Wouldn't so you? Right. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you love to see uh, Chet Holgrim and Wemba Miana share a uh, front court together? Just saying. I would. They would. They would be hurt all. They're gonna be hurt all the time. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. You but want it'd be the fun. All to... NBA injured team in OKC. That's. You can't even. You can't even predict that. That's ridiculous. That would be awesome. They would be so good. I'm like that would be awesome. Just give me like Scoot Henderson, even that would be awesome. Give me anyone. I I, I mean, awesome. they don't really need any more guards. They kind of just they need don't somebody. Need any more guards? But if someone offers you Scoot Henderson, you're gonna take him. They they really just need a power forward at this point or a center, like somebody that I okay. mean, like. Give me Jarris can... Walker. I can I can go down the list, and dude, they're gonna be awesome. I'm just forewarning you guys. Okay. Okay. See, okay. well, here's my prediction. In the next five years, OKC is going to be like a legit title contender within the next five years. That's not really a take. I, you, if you okay, say I, like I, they're going to be, at, like will a, you say, will you say they will win the championship? That, that's you think they they'll be, win the NBA championship in five years? They will be a top four seed within the next two years. That's not that's okay. 
There's not okay, a take. That's, that's, that's not, not really a take. No, no, no. I, I think that I think that's that's like, not like a hot take, but it's a spicy take. I'll I'll give you yeah, that. If, I'll, he's so in love with this team. If you think they're that good, Jonathan, say they're Jonathan, win the championship. Jonathan, Jonathan, give you me? have to understand. You have to understand. This has always been Chris. I know this is you. You're new to the podcast, still kind of, but this has always been Chris for the past like three years. Give me when I, OKC Minnesota in the seven ten game, or or in the no. Give me OKC LA. Give me Lakers Thunder. Thunder are winning that game. They would. Oh my gosh! The, Thunder, the Lakers would win. The Lakers would win by twenty. Uh, okay, I'm gonna. It depends on if LeBron's playing, but uh, I, I kind care. of actually agree with Chris. I. I kind of agree with Chris, actually. I think the Thunder would probably win that game. You know playoff LeBron is legitimately a different beast. And if you're telling me with AD, you think Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to carry that I mean, yeah. I mean, mean, Jonathan, they they, they spoiled LeBron's record night. They they spoiled LeBron's record night, just saying. I mean, it's not. You don't think that's more ammo? I don't want to hear it. Okay, oh okay, guys, 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 hang on, hang on, we can, we can, we can argue this, we can argue this off air, let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast, because we've been recording probably way too long, and yeah, so let's go ahead, wrap this up, and then we can argue more off air, okay, promise. Yeah, this is a perfect time to pitch my new podcast, the uh, Oklahoma City Thunderbirds, uh, which I will be kicking off tomorrow. Uh, you know, no, I wouldn't uh, be surprised, I would not be surprised. Yeah, no, i right. appearing on the first episode. <laughs> we are dedicating the entire first episode is going to be a two-hour uh, retrospective on the Chet Holmgren pick. So, um, as always, thanks to all our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Sixers Sense podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com, where you can also read our written work. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense. And until next time, go uh, Sixers slash Thunder. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye, y'all. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.